Welcome to the Amazon Made Simple podcast. I am Isabella Ritz, your host. Today we explore the incredible journey of Ben Leonard from the UK. He built a $6 million company, made a life-changing exit, and went on to create a groundbreaking broker firm. Get ready to be inspired by Ben's remarkable story. Let's dive in. Hello everyone, Isabella Ritz on Amazon Made Simple Podcast. And today we are going to explore, is it actually truth to start the business without any type of degree? It's a lot of debates and myths are going around. Should I go and ended up in uh, five years with a hundred, hundred thousand of debt or maybe i shouldn't and let's find out if it's actually truth or we can launch our business and grow it to six million dollars within a short period of time and maybe we'll find out how to do it ben leonard in my podcast today welcome and i'm very happy to see you here thanks it's so good to be here it's good to be on the show yeah um so i assume you're from england right Sort of, almost. I'm from the UK. I'm from Scotland in the UK. Yeah, I can tell based on the accent. I love this accent. My daughter, she's so in love with Harry Potter. And uh, just because she's so in love, she started talking this old British accent. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little bit much, but still sounds really, really good. Okay, tell me, uh, when I was going through your bio and through... Um, your notes also I was reading uh, the other day your your post on LinkedIn about like coaches, business coaches. Tell us what you have. Tell us what you do and why actually uh, you're teaching people. So combining all this uh, knowledge you got, got based on the big entrepreneur, do you really uh, think that to repeat your experience to repeat your approach is simple and easy or we have to go somewhere learn somewhere uh read tons of books and do something about it i think the best thing that you can possibly do if you have an idea and you want to get into e-commerce entrepreneurship or even if you've already started but you're feeling stuck and you're thinking hmm do i need to go and either get a degree or spend a silly amount of money on one of these very, very expensive courses or one of these very expensive groups. Uh, the answer is you don't need to do that. Um, I find the best approach is to start and learn by doing, right? Learn as you go. That that doesn't mean you take ridiculous, silly risks, but it's also about remembering that as entrepreneurs, we are risk takers, right? We take right. risks because we make change. So it's about taking calculated risks and... Um, I think that's a much better approach. And I think that, you know, oftentimes people start a business because they're passionate about it. And if you're passionate about something, there's no one better to start your business than you. I have another guest, as you can tell. Yeah, I can. That's a fantastic guest. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a great but, guest. He's always jealous when I have another guest. So, <laughs> but but yeah. there's no one better than you to promote your business because no one understands it like you do, right? Especially if it's something that you're passionate about. So given uh, the person that I see on the screen right now, which means you, mm. uh, you're talking about calculating risks. Mm. So how to calculate the risk if you don't know what business is? Sure. Well, I'm not saying that you literally go in completely blind. But what I am saying is that we live in a time that there are a lot of resources available for free or highly affordable books, 
podcasts, audio books, um, the community on various channels, whether that's Facebook groups or Discords or Reddits, YouTube. All of these resources mean that the playing field is level. You know, go back 20 years and getting into business was difficult because if you didn't have a business degree and understand the basics of business, you were going to need to learn somewhere. And oftentimes this learning was going to cost you either because you were going to have to enroll in some sort of course or a considerable amount of effort to perhaps learn on the job somewhere else. Right. But now we can all learn these things in our spare time, in our evenings and weekends, for instance, which is exactly what I did. So when I started my first brand, you know, I had an idea to start a fitness brand. I was working as a marine ecologist. I had uh, no business experience, no product development experience, no marketing experience, but I learned as I went from all of these affordable resources, which are available because we live in a time when anyone can do this. That's correct. I absolutely agree. But what about uh, people who have a fear? And like, based on your degree, I assume not the whole uh, grade and the whole year of people that you've been uh, graduated with, not all of them started their businesses, right? And having the ecology degree, uh, it's not the actual business mind people. So sure. yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah. So like, you know, I had a degree, but it was absolutely nothing to do with business. But I would say my degree did give me a little bit of an unfair advantage. Well, not an unfair advantage, but an advantage over somebody who didn't have a science background. Because in science, we, we have a hypothesis. We test that hypothesis. We analyze the data. And then we change something based on what we discover and we try again. When you take that approach to business, you're going to be at an advantage to somebody who has got literally both no business experience and no sort of experiment experience or, or scientific experience like I had, because I was able to learn by doing, you know, try something, test it, see what the results are and iterate and improve. But provided you're of, you know, half decent intelligence, most people are going to be able to do that, right? I, I believe, especially if you have the passion to um, give you the, uh, the desire to keep trying and trying and testing and failing and trying again. So given all the advice you're giving right now, so let's come back a little bit to the education you got and what was the decision, uh, what served your decision to launch your business and how did you come up with the idea of your business, which is like more important here? Sure. Well, it was a little bit of an accident. I actually came up with the idea four years before I took action. And I hope nobody listening makes that same mistake I did. Let me explain. Um, I was happily working my day job, my nine to five. And I was training with my friends at CrossFit in about 2012. And at the end of a training session, somebody said, oh, we beasted it today. And I was like, we beasted it. Beast, beast, beast gear. That would be a cool name for a fitness brand. And I did absolutely nothing about it until four years later. Four years later, something really bad happened, which actually turned out to be quite good because it changed my life for the better. Um, I got quite sick with a heart problem. It was actually the third time I'd had the heart problem. And this time the doctors were like, we need to get rid of this for good. 
or it could become very, very bad, chronic and, and life changing. So I was given a lot of drugs, signed off my job for quite a few months and told to stop all my fitness uh, hobbies. And at the same time, my mental health was bad, right? I was, I was seeing a, a mental health nurse, a hypnotherapist, and a mindfulness meditation teacher. Um, so I was in a bit of a dark place, and I was bored as well because I wasn't working. And suddenly, well, I was tidying out my gym bag, looking at all my training gear, sadly, you know, that I wasn't using. And I remembered that moment four years ago. And I was looking at my training gear and I thought, well, I could probably do a better job of this. Maybe I could uh, improve this equipment and then sell it into gyms. And I've got nothing better to do because I'm sitting on my ass all day. So I did. I started to develop my first product. And while I was developing it, I realized actually e-commerce was a much better um, way to go than trying to sell direct into gyms. So yeah, that's how I started. Difficult circumstances that kind of, uh, you know, improved my life. I guess every cloud has a silver lining. What was, first of all, amazing, uh, amazing momentum to launch and start something. Uh, what was the first product and how did you find out about, like, I have to launch my product via e-commerce, not retail. Where did you learn and how you decided uh, Maybe did you test the product idea or it came out from like Ben decided to launch the product, this product is going to be, and I understand the demand is there. Yeah, um, a combination of all those things. So I when I was looking through my gym bag, I was looking at my, my training gear, which was like my boxing gloves, my weightlifting belt, and my jump rope, a few other things. And looking at the jump rope in particular, I remember that the last time I'd used it, I'd been a bit disappointed in the way it had performed. And I wanted to make it better. I also knew that out of all the training gear I was using, it was clearly the cheapest to make. It was just obvious because the handles were made of plastic. The cable was a thin piece of steel. Um, it's clearly much cheaper to make than quite a, a, a high quality leather weightlifting belt, for instance. So I had very limited budget, right? I didn't have a particularly high paying job. My wife was studying. We lived in a small apartment um, and I didn't have a lot of money saved. So I knew that if I was going to do this, I would need to start with a product that I could source cheaply. And I made the decision to try to find manufacturing partners who could help me improve on that jump rope. And it was while I was searching around the internet for, for manufacturing partners that I came across a thread on Reddit where other entrepreneurs were talking about where they were finding their products and where they were selling them. And somebody had mentioned this thing called Amazon FBA. And I was one of those people who thought that when you bought something on Amazon, you were buying it from Jeff. I didn't know that third party. You are selling not alone. I know, right? And even now people think that, which is crazy to me, but yeah. 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 Most of the people, the majority of the people, generally speaking, people who don't know about it are the sellers. Yeah, I think I you're mean, probably who know right. that that's different. Yeah. Yeah. So at the same time, I discovered Amazon FBA and I thought, right, if I'm going to do this, sell online, I'm going to need my own website as well. And I discovered Shopify, which is great for idiots like me who don't know how to code to build a website. And the rest is history. And so what was the history? Well, uh, <laughs> turned out I was quite good at e-commerce and uh, 
I, I sold my first jump rope to a stranger on the internet in about June 2016. And October 2019, uh, the business was generating about $6 million per year in sales. And I sold that brand. So it's you a sell pretty rapid... jump ropes or you added something else? Oh, yeah. We had a whole range of products. We were selling products for CrossFitters, uh, strength training athletes, you know, weightlifting straps, weightlifting belts. Uh, we had boxing gloves, boxing hand wraps, boxing focus pads, all sorts of stuff. Um, our three main customer categories were boxing fans, strength fans, and CrossFit fans. Amazing. I love it. Uh, I'm just too lazy to do the CrossFit. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway um, here is the question. So a lot of listeners are here, there, right now. And they're like, mm. oh, he made six meals. I love your mug. He made six meals on jump ropes. I'm going to do the same. <laughs> uh, I would advise against that. Um, well, no, actually, let me, let me backtrack a second. You often hear advice that is like, if you're go uh, to identify what you should sell, you should use some tool to find low competition products that are selling well that don't have too many reviews. Um, I do not subscribe to that methodology. I think that that can be a useful tool to guide us. But unfortunately, when you follow that methodology, you just end up finding stuff to sell rather than actually building a brand that you are interested in that you can create a group of raving fans around that is actually going to be a legitimate consumer packaged goods brand that that other method is is for people who are trying to just make a quick buck on the internet but you're not actually going to develop a brand that becomes something you can sell if you're listening to this and you are genuinely passionate about training and you can find a way to create a better product or position it better and niche down and find your people really connect with them and build a group of fans around your brand and the products that you sell, that could include jump ropes. But if you plan to just take a jump rope off the shelf, slap a label on it and list it on Amazon, then you are going to lose lots of money. So don't do that. Totally agree with that. Uh, and for example, because we, our clients, clients of Risk Momentum, they're looking for the idea to sell on Amazon. This is how they ended up our, ended up our clients. They're like, I don't know what to sell. I don't know where to start. I don't want to learn. So help me out. And mm. let's say some of them still want to do by themselves and they just heard us and like, yeah, I want to build a brand. Uh, what investments we're talking about if we're... Um, considering to launch sport brand on Amazon similar to yours? Like how much startup capital are you going to need? Yeah. Well, uh, I remember not even that long ago, you would hear people on podcasts or read blogs and people would say, oh, you can do it for, you know, uh, 500 bucks. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, no. We're not talking about $500. No, absolutely not. Right. I I, I would imagine, I, I think you need uh at least ten to fifteen thousand uh, dollars to get okay. started. To get um, started, right? That's that's what I think because not only are you paying for your inventory, and remember, you know, it depends what you're sourcing, right? How much do the products cost? You're going to have to accept that when you launch, 
you're not going to be profitable. You've got to pay lots for ads, right? If we're talking about Amazon, then Amazon's uh, internal marketing uh, platform is expensive. You're going to have to accept that your, um, your tack offs is going to be high when you start out. You're going to need to pay for external traffic. You're going to have to have all of your uh, the, the, the intangibles that go along with your brand, as well as your inventory, your photographs, your videos, potentially influencer marketing. So many things that people don't think about. And then, of course, you need to actually have enough capital to place your second order before you've sold through your first batch of inventory. So I think minimum 10 to 15 grand, and you have to accept that it could take quite a few months before you even become profitable. Totally agree. Uh, when you launched your, like to, to go to the next question, I want to ask something else. So mm. when you've been launching your business on e-commerce, you mentioned Amazon. Yeah. What was Amazon Marketplace? Was it Amazon.com or was it Amazon UK? We started else? in the UK. We okay. started in the UK and then we went to mainland Europe. So we were in UK, France, Germany, Italy, Spain uh, at that time. And then Poland and Sweden came on. And then we were one of the first brands into Australia and Amazon uh, Middle East as well. Okay. Sounds good. And when did you end up with Amazon.com if you did? We didn't. Uh, that didn't. brand never no, the new owners took it to .com after I sold it. I regret not okay. going to .com. I should have. It was a mistake that I made. That is a, a mistake that I, uh, I made in that business. I should have gone to .com. Yeah, we usually recommend start with .com, but at the same time, I know when people don't have enough, enough of budget, it's a good mm -hmm. idea to start with UK, not maybe yep. with the Spain, but with the UK, and then expand to Amazon.com. Totally agree with you here. What other platforms did you use to grow your Amazon except Amazon UK in Europe and Australia and Shopify? Yeah, well, our website was built on Shopify. And then yeah. one of the keys that grew our business and how we crushed our competitors was our competitors were all stuck in this Amazon goldfish bowl, right? It was all about get a sale on Amazon and then get another sale on Amazon. Sure, that's, that's fine. You need to acquire customers. Of course you do. But they did nothing to create a, an experience for their customers or build a relationship with their customers after the sale. Whereas we were engaging with our customers and had our customers on multiple marketing touch points. So we had our customers in our email marketing, in our chatbot marketing. We were building relationships on Instagram and Twitter we had YouTube subscribers. We had a video that has generated 5 million views, which brought in lots of leads for our business, right? I was even, I even built an automation that sent a WhatsApp video to our customers after they bought from us on our website. And when you do this, so, uh, you generate- they've been buying on Amazon or when they've been buying on Shopify? On our web, on Shopify, on our website, yeah. On Shopify, yeah, okay. And it was doing all of these things that built a borderline cult level of fan which meant that when we launched new products on amazon it was so easy to launch them really cheaply because we just went to our fans and said hey we have a new product you want to try it and of course they did so they all went to find it we quickly got ranked we could quickly got reviews and our competitors were left in the dirt and this is why private equity wanted to buy my business and not their business and here's two more questions immediately question number one mm. uh would you recommend to build the community first 
prior to launch the new product? Like a lot of a lot of coaches, business coaches that you are in love with, they're <laughs> actually recommending to build the email list prior to launch. Actually, smart business coaches, I would say so. Most of them are just saying 300 bucks, Alibaba, one cent product purchase, Amazon list, go. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. So, uh, the answer is yes, but I would say it's, it's you you should build an audience before you launch but can you really call it a community before you launch that's more difficult because until you actually have products that solve their problems that are in your customers hands and that they're enjoying it's hard to make them really engage with you in a deep level so i would say you're maybe making them aware of your ideas and your products and your brand before you launch but it's not until you have the product in their hands that they really become part of the community. Having said that, you, it is possible. You know, you might be uh, developing something really interesting and you build a community around actually uh, showing the product development, showing the story of how you are building your brand and your product. It's something I'm working on right now with a new brand that I'm launching later in the year. Um, we've been developing the product for about two years. Um, it's a really technical design and we've been documenting the whole thing. We haven't shared it yet, but when we do, we'll be building a community before we launch. But the real community building comes after you launch, right? It's giving the customers an experience after they've bought the product and showing that you actually care rather than just saying, I've got your money. I don't care. Move on. Correct. I agree with that. Uh, do you think the bloggers and influencers that already have the community mm. that have people that are in love with them by listening for this podcast, they can say, okay, so probably if I'm doing fitness, if I'm fitness trainer, maybe if I will create some type of the uh, vitamins or supplements, or maybe some your wristband or something like that, maybe I will be successful to launch my business on e-commerce. Do you think, if they will create something like that, they will be more successful than others. They absolutely can if they do it right because they have the audience in the first place. So there's a lot of good examples of this. You know, the, the huge one is obviously uh, Kim Kardashian, right? Uh, she, she, uh, I think it was Kim, one of the Kardashians. You know, one of the, yeah, yeah, uh, with her uh, cosmetics and makeup products. Um, a slightly less obvious example, but people who are in the, this space have probably heard of him. A guy called Pat Flynn, um, he built an audience with his podcast, Smart Passive Income, and a lot of his audience are creators. And he invented with somebody else, they together they invented a special type of camera tripod and uh, launched it as an e-commerce product. And it's done extremely well because he has an audience of people who want that product and he is able to promote it to them. And they know him, they like him, they trust him. So, of course, they buy it from him. And that's what it's all about is making people know, like, and trust you so they'll come back to you. It's kind of like what I said before, the people that are stuck in the Amazon goldfish bowl, they sell, let's say they've got two products, right? Widget A and widget B, and they, they, are, they're, they both serve the same audience. They sell widget A, but when the customer is ready to buy widget B, they just go back to Amazon and search. But if only if they had built a relationship with that customer, the customer would have come back to them for widget B. And this is why, again, I crushed my competitors with my first brand, Beast Gear, because when my customers needed another widget, 
they came to me. A lot of my customers probably originally were customers of my competitors, but because my competitors didn't bother to form a relationship with them, they just came to me and then I did. And that was a great approach. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you got. So I assume when you exited your business, this is where you came up with an idea. It's my assumption, right? Uh, This is where you came up with an idea. Okay, I exited the business. Now I want to do the business that is exiting other businesses. Yes. Um, It was the classic entrepreneurial story where you have an experience and you decide to improve on it. So the broker that I used when I sold my first brand uh, was pretty terrible. Um, They made quite a few mistakes and the biggest one would have cost me half a million dollars. I spotted it. Yeah, but it's okay. Like we got it fixed. And yeah, the problem, the real problem was that actually it had been through their entire quality assurance process. They were ready to go. They'd signed off on it. I picked up on the issue because obviously I just knew that my business had been undervalued. I could tell my accountant, Allison, uh, figured out what they'd done. We tidied the mess up and then we finally got the deal done. So after that experience, Allison and I said to each other, well, there's an obvious thing to do here, which is improve on that. So Allison has about probably 30 years mergers and acquisitions experience. I understand e-commerce. I'm building brands again. So I understand what it's like to be in our client's shoes. So we have both sides of the equation covered. Then we brought in our North American deal director, John, who's a, a former Amazon insider and used to be at one of the big private equity backed aggregators. So the three of us kind of understand the whole thing. And so we built e-com brokers. So we, we plan and execute mergers and acquisitions for e-commerce business owners. So when, uh, when you launched your first, uh, let's say not launched, when you uh, helped to sell, acquire your, the first business for somebody else, mm. first, where did you get this client? And what was the feeling and how you've been feeling uh, being on the opposite side? Sure. Um, Our first several clients came from a combination of uh, hearing me on podcasts or reading our blogs and coming through Allison's accountancy firm. So Allison has probably the best accountancy firm in the UK that specializes in e-commerce. So it was a natural progression for those clients when they were ready to sell to come into e-com brokers and stay with Allison. Um, and others uh, had heard me on podcasts and they, they got, they understood, they got it right. You know, this guy isn't just some middleman who, who used to sell bricks and mortar stores and thinks he can make some money in e-commerce. He actually understands e-commerce. So um, that's, that's where those clients came from. Yeah. Um, so do, would you consider those com- customers as uh, repeated clients? Like, do they have any lifetime value? Uh, are these customers bringing you more clients based on like word of mouth? And what, how would you recommend other people to treat the clients that they are getting based on the, someone else's experience, someone else's uh, authority that was in your case? Sure. So Ecom Brokers started in late 2020 um, as a brand. We have not sold, so we haven't had a client that sold with us sell another business yet, really because either they've retired or the, the new brands that they're building aren't ready to sell yet. But they have brought us quite a lot of uh, referral customers. So that's why we don't really, we don't really pay for marketing because we don't need to because our clients refer. Um, Till now. 
How do you mean? No, till right now you don't pay for the any advertisement. Yeah, we've never so we've say, never yeah. paid for marketing for ecom brokers because our clients yeah. just prefer us. Um, I'm sorry. What was the other part of your yeah, question? Yeah, yeah. The the question was like that. People are keep coming to you like for the month as, and uh, how did you like what you what would you recommend to others like that they're building their business uh, based on someone else's authority? Like you had a person that helped you uh, because she was with you already. People mm. came because they trust her. Yes. So if you wouldn't have this person you would have different experiences, I assume. Oh, yeah. Like, if I didn't have Allison, um, I would have probably not had the success, as much of a successful exit as I had. And then together, the two of us would not have started Ecom Brokers. And probably, actually, if I hadn't had Allison, Beast Gear wouldn't have been such a success because... You know, I was having monthly meetings with her and I recommend everybody has a monthly meeting with their accountant and I recommend everybody has an accountant rather than just a bookkeeper. You can have a bookkeeper, but you should also have an accountant, in my opinion, um, because when you sit down with your accountant regularly, they really help you to understand at a deep level your numbers and therefore how that should feed into your strategy. And now I have a much better understanding of numbers, clearly, but I still regularly sit down with Allison to discuss my brands outside of Ecom Brokers and what the numbers mean and how that should inform our strategy. So, yeah, if I didn't have Allison, things would not have uh, panned out the way that they have. So and based on your experience with her, what will be the best recommendations to others? Uh, part, you should partner with people. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of that. So I partner on everything that I do more or less now because you should partner with people who um, complement you because they have a different skill set that fills in the gaps that you don't have. So for instance, I'm developing a baby and parent brand right now and my business partner, Mark, is better than me at the very kind of a tactical level uh, operations of e-commerce, particularly inside of Amazon, and I'm better at the strategic brand and vision side of things. Um, on the other hand, uh, I have partnered with a, a different business partner on a sports brand, and he has a, a similar set of skills to Mark. Um, I'm sort of mentoring him. He used to be a competitor of mine. But always partnering with people is great because it, it spreads the load. You don't get so much burnt out, and you can bounce ideas around. And You've got somebody else to share the burden with you and you can learn from them and they can learn from you and here where to find this partner like where to ah. start so it, it yeah. it's it's great when you have a network mm. it's great when you're hanging out with people it's great when you probably went to college and you have your network but if you don't if it's uh i don't know the it's person difficult. that is lonely right and like yeah no, you're, you're right. So here's what I think. I think very often your first business is not likely to involve a partner, at least at first. It might be that you end up partnering a bit later. That's okay. That's totally normal. That is exactly what I did. That doesn't mean that you never talk to anyone and you never get advice. Absolutely not. Even when I ran my first brand by myself, I was the only shareholder in the business. But I took advice from many people by putting myself out there. I joined mastermind groups. I went to meetups. I took advice from my accountant, Allison. 
I took advice from other entrepreneurs that I met uh, online and offline by putting myself out there. And I listened to podcasts and engaged in groups online and offline. And when you do that, um, it's not quite as good as having, uh, it's not the same as having a partner, but you will absorb knowledge and you will get better and you will feel supported because you're all helping each other. Then through those groups, you may end up bringing someone else into your business, or you might do what I did, which is when I set up my second business, my second brand, um, the baby brand, it was one of those mastermind groups where I found my business partner. So it's kind of, you know, when you're first starting out, going out there saying, I have to find a business partner isn't the right mindset. What you have to do is just put yourself out there and know that the more you put yourself out there, the higher the chances that you will find people who can support you. Here's another question immediately. How would you qualify that this is the partner? Like you look at him like, yeah, that's the God. Yeah. So how would you say uh, what character, uh, what type of the character, what type of the behavior is supposed to be uh, in the partner that you can recognize and you can tell, yeah, this is the right person. Because for you probably saw in the environment, people coming to each other, like, let's partner, mm. let's partner, let's, par let's be in partners. And like people don't even understand what is the behind the scenes and who the partner is this person supposed to be at least for you ben leonard yeah absolutely you have to be careful especially if you've developed something of yours and you've developed intellectual property you don't just want to give that away first of all you need to be sure that you have known this person for a long enough time to understand that they're a person of high integrity and you should probably uh talk with other people that you know and trust who also know this person to get their opinion on them you should do some digging into their business background and make sure that, for instance, they have not been uh, struck off from being a business director, been involved in any fraud or crime or anything like that that you need to know about. So do some, do some research in that department. Spend some time getting to know them on a deeper level, having meetings and calls with them, throwing ideas around together before you enter any sort of official partnership. And I think finally, when you do set up a partnership, you need to make sure that it is fair to all parties, but especially to you, if, especially if it's your idea and you have intellectual property. So that might mean you getting a majority stake in the business. It might mean you getting an 100% stake in the business and actually you just have a profit sharing agreement, for instance. Or there might be milestones that need to be reached before equity is given away to this partner. Um, you would want to make sure that you have got contract set up or the partnership set up in such a way that if it's not going well, you can walk away and you retain your business, your intellectual property. So before you set anything up, you need to talk with uh, an attorney who understands these issues, who can help you put together the right agreements. And one of the last questions, what do you think the best timeline uh, for the person from the point A, where like, I don't know what to do and I want to do my business. And for example, I'm ready to launch next month uh, to the point of uh, if I'm launching business in a month, I want to exit this business in XXSX. So what is the actual timeline and how realistic it is that the business people are launching in the first place uh, 
if they do everything right, they will be able to exit, even with the mistakes, even with like some type of struggles. But what is the timeline and what is the chance? So the timeline from launching to exit. Yeah. Well, it depends because, you know, so let's, let's take a step back for a second. You want to exit your business when it's growing, when you have got clear evidence of that growth uh, over ideally at least two years, but probably more, and that there are clear opportunities for a new owner to continue growing, right? That's what they're looking for. The business needs to be profitable and have EBITDA margins of, you know, at least 15%. And that's really, you know, that's really the bottom level that it needs to be to be at. Um, and ideally an EBITDA of at least half a million, if not more. Again, that's a year. level per year. Yeah. Per year. Okay. Yeah. You're talking um, about revenue or profit a year? Profit. Profit. Okay. Yeah. EBITDA is similar to profit. We use it in, yeah. in, in business valuations. Um, having said that, you know, we do see businesses that are, are very high growth and very new, which sell. Um, you obviously, you get startups that are not profitable yet that sell, but that's, those are rare and not so common in the e-commerce world. If we're talking about your, your usual e-commerce businesses that the listeners will have. So we're generally, we're talking at least three years from, from start to exit, but you do see sort of two year, two year old businesses going. Um, and you know, if it's four five or six years old, then, then even better, because that gives the buyer that, uh, reassurance on the stability and the longevity of the business. Cause buyers want to buy something that's going to be sustainable into the future. That's profitable. The profit can grow and gives them the opportunity to uh, continue to grow the business perhaps on other channels or move it internationally. So that's a very long way of saying it depends, but usually at least three years. Okay. So zero to at least 500K in three years, this is supposed to be your goal, guys. It doesn't mean you have to have a degree. Just listen for the podcasts, YouTube videos and everything else. And I totally agree because when I launched my Amazon in 2015, my first it was not a brand. It was something chaotic. Uh, I was doing based on like videos uh, and my intuition, some type of my background, of course. Uh, I was not starting from like scratch without any knowledge at all in e-commerce. But generally speaking, you can do it without any uh, extra help as long as you're paying attention to details and you're not going with the speed uh, without any awareness of like what is going on. And uh, to 500K in profit, which is uh, about 15% of EBITDA, and uh, Ben probably will be able to at least evaluate your, your business. Am I correct or not? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's got to be the first stage. You need, to, you need to have a map and a compass and understand where you are. We find even somebody who isn't quite ready to sell actually performing evaluation then gives us really great data with which to inform the strategy to then get them where they need to be. That's amazing. And how much time you'll usually take to evaluate some type of the business? Let's say it's a startup of three years. If they it's have not something huge. Sure. If it's a straightforward business and they have good data and cloud-based accounting like Zero or QuickBooks, we can do that in a week or two. Uh, faster if somebody really needs us to, but we like to take our time 
um, and double check everything. Of course, you know, we pride ourselves on quality. And one of the things that we're doing is we're not just valuing it, but we're also doing the research to understand everything about the business outside the financials. What are you doing on social? What are you doing in your marketing? Is this a real brand or just, you know, an Amazon account? And what are the opportunities for an owner? Because all of this feeds into the valuation. We want to squeeze every drop of value that we can out of it and maximize the value, which is why we, we tend to take at least a, a week or two on evaluation. So if I am understanding you correctly, the main difference for you in between brand and Amazon account is Amazon account for you is like, we're launching a lot of different products and we don't care about brand and we even don't care about sometimes put the label on it. Correct. And the brand is when it's like actual history, story, A plus yeah, content. A, exactly. A real brand identity, right? A brand, I guess, is a suite of products that solve problems branding is how you make you your customers feel about your brand and that includes your brand identity and so we're talking about people that are taking their business seriously and treating it like a consumer packaged goods brand right pretend you are nike even if you're just dave in your basement um you still have a brand or you should have a brand so we're talking about brand with the community and this community is supposed to be not just on amazon with the 22 followers of your posts exactly. <laughs> it's supposed to be something outside of amazon for example you can build shopify you don't have to build shopify my personal opinion about shopify that it's a great i was very skeptical about this platform but then i'm like yeah it's a great place when you don't have to code anything and everything is already integrated with the api you just have to be prepared with the fees and like given like programs uh, like Amazon Buy with Prime, you can also integrate it and use it. And so generally speaking, yes, you can go with Shopify and just integrate every single uh, piece till you will build something bigger by yourself uh, and code it by yourself with the needs that you actually, that requires your business. Yeah. And uh, my last question is uh, for... The last, you're actually the number four person that I'm asking to, if it will be just one thing to the end of your life that you will be able to do, what will that be? Spend time with my family. Amazing. I love it. The person before you said, I would jump rope. And I know a lot of people are saying uh, they want to spend time with their family, but I, I know that spending time with your family is a bit of a cliche, but like, if I literally can do one thing until I die, I'm going to spend it with my wife and kids. So yeah, uh, yeah. I have goosebumps and I agree. Yeah. That that's why yeah. I think when you're part of the family, this is why you're working so hard because you want your family to have a good life and because you want to spend this good life with your family. Totally agree and I love it. Ben, thank you so much for joining me today. Amazing podcast. I hope everyone loves it. You're sharing very good insights, very sincere, very transparent, very honest. And uh, if you don't mind, we will post a link to your LinkedIn so people will be able to sure. join your network. That. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm very happy to talk to anyone. Yeah, you're a great example and you're very active in socials. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs>